from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. This is WIA National News for week commencing April the 26th, 2015. Hi, I'm Robert, VK3DN. And I'm Brian, VK3GR. G'day, Rob. How are you? I'm well. Welcome back, Brian. Two in a row, Rob. Two in a row. And for the listeners that haven't uh, yet heard, it's Graham's retirement. So we're back behind the microphone for two weeks whilst he uh, says farewell to all his friends. Really great article you sent me earlier this week, Rob. Uh, it was in radiotoday.com.au. I think the link will whack it in the uh, the show notes. Yeah, and the text edition on the website. But uh, a little story, uh, an interview, in fact, with Graham in his work role there at uh, at the uh, studio. So How he started as well. A couple of uh, cheeky little stories about some interesting people and some trouble he got himself into nearly. Yeah. Well, Brian, yesterday was April the 25th. That's Anzac Day. And, of course, the uh, centenary and the celebrations. Uh, You've got the first story there, Brian. I do. The centenary of Gallipoli. The tribute by Amateur Radio is underway to honour the Anzac spirit, service and sacrifice. Anzac suffixed call signs can be heard from Australia and New Zealand. Overseas is the commemorative call sign ZL100 Anzac in New Zealand. Many TC100 prefix stations in Turkey, including those by the Turkey Radio Amatoleri Semieti, the TRAC. The Royal Belgian Amateur Radio Union, the UBA, has its OP0PPY station at Drevo, next to the Polygon Wood Memorial of World War I. A large number of VK radio amateurs, some of them also at their local return services league, are using the alternative callsign prefix of AX. The Gallipoli campaign was one of the greatest Ottoman victories during World War I and a major Allied failure. Both the Turks, then under the Ottoman Empire, and Allied forces suffered heavy losses in that conflict. It became a defining moment in Turkey's history. The Turkish War of Independence raged soon after World War I, with freedom from the crumbling Ottoman Empire and formation of the Republic of Turkey. The Gallipoli campaign is in the Australian and New Zealand psyche, it has left us with a powerful legacy. Anzac Day was held for the first time in 1916, with the ceremonies and services in Australia, a London march, and a sports day at the Australian camp in Egypt. The landing of Anzacs at 4.28am on April 25, 1915, is commemorated annually on Anzac Day, our most significant commemoration of military casualties and returned men and women. From Australia's national capital of Canberra, there was a commemorative dawn broadcast on amateur radio. We will listen to this now. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD President of the WIA. From every corner of our nation, ordinary men and women signed up to serve in World War I. Their deeds helped define our national identity. Eager for adventure, they came from country towns, farms, suburbs and cities, driven by a sense of patriotic duty. Some of these volunteers were radio amateurs. From a population of less than 5,417,000 men and women enlisted. By the end of World War I, more than 60,000 Australians had been killed and 156 wounded, gassed or taken prisoner. Among those who answered the call were Indigenous Australians and we now know about 1,300 served in the First World War. Our women supported the troops in many ways and nursing was the most direct way for them to contribute. More than 3,000 women volunteered for military service abroad. 
On the 25th of April 1915, thousands of brave young men went ashore on a foreign beach in a distant land. Soldiers from the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps faced a formidable task to seize the Gallipoli Peninsula and suppress the Ottoman defences guarding the Dardanelles. The Anzacs went ashore under the cover of darkness at about 2.20am Turkish time. As morning dawned, they faced an entrenched enemy in a rugged and unforgiving terrain. Heavy casualties were sustained on both sides and a stalemate developed. The campaign lasted eight months and the last of the Anzacs were evacuated from Gallipoli on December 20, 1915. After Gallipoli, Anzacs went ashore and served on the Western Front and in the Middle East. By the end of the war, in 1918, a young nation's identity was emerging. This is a milestone year. The centenary of the Anzac landing at Gallipoli is significant beyond measure in our nation's history. The WIA and Amateur Radio in Australia acknowledge those who have served in all conflicts and peacekeeping activities, many of who were or had since become radio amateurs. We commemorate those who have and continue to serve. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD President of the WIA. In addition, that broadcast had a message from the Australian Governor-General, Sir Peter Cosgrove, on the occasion of Anzac Centenary, the 25th of April 2015. Also, there was to be an Echolink contact on Anzac Day to include the Wireless Institute of Australia, New Zealand Association of Radio Transmitters and the Turkey Radio Amatoi Semieti. Their nations are now warm friends with mutual respect of their traditions. All information about the Anzac 100 program, including its events, activities and operating awards, up until the end of December, plus overseas call sign activity, is on the WIA website, www.wia.org.au. Click the Anzac Centenary tab under News and Events on the homepage. TRAC welcomes the VKZL Anzac Ceremony guests. The radio amateurs visiting Gallipoli for the Anzac Day ceremonies from Australia and New Zealand were met by members of the Turkey Radio Amatory Semieti, the TRAC. An email from Track said that the meeting point with the guests was to be the first checkpoint as the buses disembarked there at the Akbes Cemetery. Track had a visible contact post and was listing on 145.550 MHz and 433.550 MHz simplex. The Echolink system TA3EC, now covering Anzac Cove, is on 432.850 MHz with a CTCSS tone of 88.5 Hz on receive and transmit. Alternative QRG is 432.825 MHz with the same CTCSS. And the APRS is YM3KCN on 144.800 MHz. Calling frequencies for the 2015 Anzac commemoration are in the text edition and on the WIA website. Now, Rob, moving away from the uh, current weekend of Anzac commemoration, we've got some news closer to home and some exciting and good and happy news, I guess so we can say. And here's Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, to tell us what is so exciting in amateur radio this week. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH. Hands up those who'd like to pay less for their amateur licence. 
Well, from the 5th of April, amateur licence fees are $51 for a 12-month renewal. I can hear the cheering from here. However, the fee for the initial issue of a new licence is $75, up by $1 on the fee that prevailed over the previous year. Well, that one didn't get any cheers. I believe it was Mick Jagger who sang, You Can't Always Get What You Want. The Australian Communications and Media Authority, the ACMA, quietly updated its apparatus licence fee schedule on its website on the 7th of April. All WIA assessors have been notified that candidates who pass their assessment now need to pay $75 for their initial licence. The last time that licence fee renewals were at $51 was 20 years ago. The WIA was forewarned earlier in the year that there would be a reduction in licence fees, but the ACMA could not give us a date at that time. There was speculation on social media that the commencement date was 7th April, but the legislative instruments that give effect to the change all quote a commencement date of April 5th. The ACMA said if anyone has the problem of being charged the old fee of $75, they can have the licence period extended, or they can contact ACMA and request the new fee be applied and receive a refund. We understand that that applies to licence renewal dates that fell after the 5th of April. The cost of a five-year renewal and the fee for a change to a licence are yet to be confirmed with the ACMA. Check the WIA website homepage for news on this exciting development and any updates. Thanks to Fred Swainson, VK3DAC, Jim Linton, VK3PC, and President Phil Waite, VK2ASD, for help in obtaining the facts and compiling this news item. This has been WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Thank you, Roger, for recording the piece and taking those happy words out of our mouths. Fantastic. Always good news when we can save a bit of coin. And now to hams across Australia, starting in VK2, just a quickie. A reminder, Saturday, May the 2nd, the Amateur Radio New South Wales AGM at VK2 WI site, 10am. Be there. And a VK3, the VK3 Homebrew Group meet. The next meeting of the Homebrew Construction Group is on Saturday, May the 2nd at 2pm. The venue is the Amateur Radio Victoria Rooms at 40G Victory Boulevard, Ashburton, and all are welcome. This May meeting will have Alan Devlin, VK3 XPD, delivering a presentation entitled Recent Activity on 78 GHz in VK3. Alan, VK3 XPD, is an experienced microwave practitioner with achievements including moon bounce on 24 GHz. The latest newsletter compiled by Ian Downey, VK3 LA, will be emailed to ARV subscribers in the week before the meeting. Inquiries and comments can be sent to homebrew at amateurradio.com.au. Quick Hamfest uh, notice, Moorabbin District Radio Club Hamfest 2015. The Moorabbin District Amateur Radio Club is pleased to announce the 2015 Hamfest will be on Saturday 9th of May with doors opening at 10am. This year's event will be at the Southern Community Centre, Rupert Drive, Mulgrave. The Moorabbin Club's annual Hamfest is proud to be Victoria's biggest with displays and sales of new and pre-loved equipment. A must-come, must-see event for anyone interested in radio communications and electronics. Major door prizes, free tea and coffee, light refreshments and a sausage sizzle will also be on offer. 
Trader table bookings and general inquiries can be made by emailing Graham Lewis, VK3GL, or by phoning his mobile, those details in the text edition. A must-come, must-see event in VK3. And once again, the members of the Gippsland Gate Radio and Electronics Club are organising their annual Hamfest. The GGREC Hamfest is to be held on the 18th of July at the Crownburn Public Hall, which is located on the corner of Clarendon Street and High Street. Melway's reference is 133 K4. The Hamfest features 41 tables of new and used ham radio equipment and electronics. For more details or to book a table, see the text edition of this new service. And thanks to Albert Hubbard, VK3BQO, for that news update. To our discussion point, from time to time we like to have on OVK6FLAB. Tell us a couple of things, uh, typically around uh, the idea of what use is an F call. Here he is again. What use is an F call? Technologies come and go, some more quickly than others. Valves have been around since the 19th century. The first diode valve was developed in 1904 by John Ambrose Fleming. Despite ongoing urgings to kill them off in favour of solid-state technology, they survive, much like shellac records versus MP3 files, fond tools that do their job in their own inimitable way. Some technologies become obsolete, sometimes really quickly. Audio cassettes, DAT tape and VHS are things of the past, No doubt an MP3 of the future will look nothing like what we use today. New technology happens all the time. Software-defined radios are bringing a whole new dimension to amateur radio. The ability to see a whole band in real time makes for an exciting place to make contacts and monitor a band, seeing activity rather than just waiting to hear something on the frequency that you happen to be tuned to. In amateur radio, this development happens because people get excited about something and run with it. Sometimes nothing comes of it, other times it's a whole new ball game. The thing I like most about amateur radio is that the new and old happen simultaneously. A modern radio combined with a 1900s antenna. A Morse key attached to an SDR. Using the internet and combining it with radio. Inventing new digital modes and playing with propagation tools. All of this is within your own grasp. Your licence isn't the limiting factor in any of this, It's your imagination that makes it happen. Amateur Radio, the magic between your ears. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot, Lima Alpha Bravo. Yeah, your licence isn't a limiting factor in any of this, Rob. No, not at all. Now, most of Australia would have heard or have seen the news story over the last weekend and Monday of a search for a missing plane north of Gympie in Queensland. The pilot turned out to be Robert John Paven, VK4FUE. He was a former member of the Townsville Amateur Radio Club. Rob lost his life on Saturday, April 18th, when the aircraft he was piloting crashed into mountainous terrain near the town of Waluga, approximately 39 kilometres northwest of Gympie, Queensland. Rob was a very experienced pilot and had recently completed a flight trip around Australia. He had taken off from Gympie with a destination near Gladstone for a friend's birthday party. However... His status was set to overdue by mid-afternoon Saturday and a search was conducted along his planned flight path. Wreckage of his plane was not found until Monday afternoon, April 20th. North Queensland hams will fondly remember Rob's operation of Tractor Mobile during the 1990s when he was doing jobs about the cane paddocks of Badurkin. It is certain that the radio amateur community is saddened by Rob's passing 
and pass on sincere condolences to Rob's family and relatives. Ave Robert John Paven, VK4FUE, Silent Key. And now to international news. With thanks to the IARU, the RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, the NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. And how safe is your car? Rob, listen close. Uh, this one relates to you. News reports are abounding with stories on how thieves are using power amplifiers, RF amplifiers, to gain entry to cars. It's been explained thusly. In a normal scenario, when you walk up to a car with a keyless remote entry and try the door handle, the car wirelessly calls out for your key so you don't have to press the button to get inside. If the key calls back, the door unlocks. But the keyless system is capable of searching for a key only within a couple of feet. But using this device, gaining popularity with thieves, it amplifies the distance that a car can search, which then allows one car on test to talk to a key which happened to be sitting about 50 feet away on the kitchen counter, and just like that, open sesame. One car company's way to solve the problem is to put your keys in the freezer, which acts as a Faraday cage and won't allow a signal to get in or out. Cool car, cool keys... What do you reckon, Rob? Whack it in the ice chest and then you can stop the kids from stealing the car because they have to break the ice to get the keys out? Yes. Recent work by New Zealand's telecommunications regulator Radio Spectrum Management has shown a need for good radio frequency engineering practices to be employed at ports. This following an investigation of interference on container loader drivers' radio systems. Radio Spectrum Management traced the interference to newly installed high-power transmitters that were causing front-end overload of the port's radio equipment. The movement of containers is critical for efficient and safe port operations. Some ports use a wireless location system for containers using short-range devices authorized by a general user radio license. In making the choice to use such a system, operators must take into account the shared nature of the license and that no regulatory protection is given from the interfering effects of other radio services. Morse code inches towards heritage status. The Japan Amateur Radio League, the JARL, has joined the international campaign to have the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, called UNESCO, list Morse code as an intangible cultural heritage. An initial proposal was adopted at the International Amateur Radio Union IARU Region 1 Conference in Sun City, South Africa, 2011, and has been since sent to the IARU Region 2 and Region 3. The Deutsche Amateur Radio Club, an IIAU member society, has done the necessary work completing the UNESCO application forms and sent 10 pictures to give some visual context. Morse code was used worldwide from the mid-1830s, first with the landlines and later joined by radio. Despite Germany making the UNESCO submission in March 2014, it was not chosen for consideration at this time as an intangible cultural heritage. Under the UNESCO regulation, it takes the support of several different countries to be given a priority, and now at least the DARC and the JARL are on board. The JARL took it up at its board and decided that Morse code is so important to past and future communications that it be part of the plans to celebrate its 90th anniversary this year being founded in June 1926. 
In the Morse Asia newsletter for April, Atsu Taniguchi, JE1TRV of the A1 Club community of CW lovers, reports that the JARL board has decided to promote the UNESCO recognition campaign as one of the 90th JARL 90th celebrations. The initiative is expected to see Morse code feature in contesting, rag-chewing, DXing, or be part of all activities, whether a straight key or a keyboard. Among the many heritage activities already listed by UNESCO, in need of urgent safeguarding, are a tradition horse-riding game, Chinese abacus and calligraphy. Thanks to Jim Linton, VK3PC, for that news story. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. I'm glad I got this one, Rob. On your bike. The Mon County Amateur Radio Club in the US gave back to an area family who recently lost everything in a fire. The club presented the family with bicycles. The presentation took place at St Mary's Church in Star City, during the radio club's ham fest on Saturday. They didn't know what they were getting. They asked their dad yesterday, why are we going to church on Saturday instead of Sunday? So they had no idea they were getting the bikes. It was just a nice gesture that we thought we could give back to the community, said Alan Harris, president of the Mon County Amateur Radio Club. Garrick 2015 cancelled. The organisers of the Global Amateur Radio Emergency Conference, Garrick 2015, have taken the difficult decision to cancel this year's conference. The projected attendance for the conference, which was to have been held in Tampere, Finland, between June the 23rd and 24th, was below last year's and was not adequate to justify the participation of external speakers and presented a financial risk to the organisers. Cancellation of the conference is a loss to the amateur radio emergency communications community and thoughts are now turning to how to continue with what was started 10 years ago and maintain the good working relationship which have been developed as well as providing a place for those positive achievements to be promoted. That is quite a shame, Rob. Uh, 10 years ago I was first licensed just after the uh, Indian tsunami and um, I remember in the last few years, uh, some of the work from Garrick has actually gone on to uh, the ARRL, uh, WRC meetings and, and other things, and they've um, unfortunately not been able to field a big enough audience. Yeah, that's a real shame. Hopefully they can revive it in 2016. Let's mm-hmm. hope so. Good luck to them. Okay, Brian, you've got this week a piece on weird and wonderful. A good one too, Rob. One of the WIA's roles is to put together voluntary band plans so that our diverse modes and interests can coexist without interference. These published at wia.org.au and in the callbook are intended to apply for Australia. However, their influence appears to have gone out much further in the most unlikely of places. Peter Parker has been checking out this and that on the web and stumbled on this weird and wonderful bit of trivia. Did you know that the 144 to 146 MHz band plan in Iraq is based on the WIA band plan? It has everything, even down to the Weissen frequencies and the guard band for New Zealand beacons. Check it out at www.iraqi-ars.org slash band.htm for an idea of what the uh, Iraqis think a really good band plan looks like too. Special event stations, DX Beacon Repeater and Net Advice. NCDXF announces major grant to the VK0EK Heard Island D-Expedition. 
The Northern Californian DX Foundation has announced a grant of $50,000 to the VK0EK Heard Island expedition planned for this coming November. In its press release, the NCDXF noted that Heard Island had moved up to the number five position on the Clublog Most Wanted list after the recent Navasa operation was completed. Within the last year, the Northern Californian DX Foundation has given away $175,000 in grants to operations in Iran, the Andaman, Navasa, Erita, and South Sandwich, South Georgia, Chesterfield Islands, and now Heard Island. It'll be lending its support to a yet unannounced de-expedition, which will be near the top 10 most wanted. The Northern Californian DX Foundation has been doing this for the past 42 years. It adds that the credit for those large grants goes to contributors, individuals and clubs who believe in supporting it. More is on the web at www.ncdxf.org. To worldwide special interest groups, Rescue Radio. Two events on the Wyson South Australian calendar. Sunday the 3rd of May, Southern Car Rally. You do not need to be licensed to use the radios here, so family and friends, etc. can assist. On Friday the 29th of May, the annual general meeting at 7.30 local time, Tranmere Sea Scout Hall, corner of Milton and Moore Streets. Bob Stevenson from SA Emergency Management will be the speaker. At the AGM, the secretary position will be vacant, and Treasurer would like some assistance too, please. And thanks to Andrew McMichael, Secretary of Weissen SA, VK5 FMAC for that information. And to the social scene 2015. On May the 1st to the 3rd in VK4, it's a Clareview gathering. Contact Radar's VK4 ACC on 0429632815. As mentioned earlier, on May the 9th in VK3, Moorabbin and District Hamfest Southern Community Centre, Mulgrave. And on May the 9th in VK4, the Barkfest at Salvation Army Hall in Callum Vale. Same weekend, May 9th and 10th, VK wide, it's the WIA AGM in Canberra. And yes, I'll be at the WIA weekend in Canberra. And in June, 5th to 7th in VK4, it's the Central Highlands ARC and Teresa Creek Campout at Claremont. June 6th and 7th in VK2, Queen's Birthday, 40th Annual Oxley Region Field Day. June 6th and 7th again in this time in VK5, it's the 51st Southeast Radio Group Convention, the Australian Fox Hunting Championship. July 1st in VK4, the Caboolture Hamfest. July the 11th and 12th in VK3, it's Gipsec 2015. And again in VK3 on July the 18th, that's the Gippsland Gate Radio and Electronics Club Hamfest at Cranbourne. And on July the 25th in VK3, yet again, Alara's 40th birthday lunch at the Novotel in Glen Waverley. And September 12th in VK4 is Sunfest at Wombai. And September the 25th to the 27th in VK4, the CHARC AGM weekend camp, Fairburn near Emerald. Looking all the way out to October on the 2nd to the 5th, it's VK4, Cardwell Gathering, the Beachcomber Motel and Tourist Park. On October the 25th in VK3, the Ballarat Amateur Radio Group Hanvention Greyhound Track in Reedon. And for those in VK4 on the same day, October 25th, the Gold Coast Hamfest Broadbeach. And with that, we're done, Rob. Indeed we are. It's time to uh, switch on the radio, Brian. Spin that dial and see if you can get some great contacts with the Anzac commemorative call signs. And just a reminder, check out the WIA website again. That's wia.org.au. Look under the News and Events tab and click Anzac Centenary information, all of the information, the frequencies, all of the special event call signs, special frequencies and times and dates are all there listed for you. 
Well, next week, back to regular programming with Graham. And as always, listeners, we've reported, you decide. We've reported, you decide.